I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to the MMA Fan Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Stu and Blake. Hello and welcome to the MMA Fan Podcast. I'm Stu Whiffin, joining me via the means of Zoom, Blake Arison. Hello. Hello, mate. How's it going? Not too bad. Not too bad. Big weekend of scraps, which we will get into, and a huge weekend coming our way soon, uh, which I guess is the, the idea for this episode, right? Yes, yes. So, uh, obviously, we've had Bellator, we've had uh, Gastelum Whitaker, we've had some other fight with some retired bloke and, like, a guy that, I don't know what he does, speaks to a camera. I don't really understand it. But then there was that fight as well. And then we've got UFC 261 coming up this weekend. And to join us to talk about all of those things, we've got two very special guests. Hello, Brian Lacey. Hello, mate. How are you? Very well, thank you. Hello, Scroobius Pip. Hello. How's it going? All good. All good. Well, good, good, good. listeners of this podcast, um, I've already heard uh, your voice, Pip, uh, yes. and, and we've touched upon how your interest and involvement in, in the world of MMA come about. So, Brian, can you give us a bit of backstory as to how you got involved in, in, in the world of MMA? Yeah, yeah, mate. I was on the cobbles from a very young age, <laughs> and earning my stripes. That's how we had. That's how we earned food in our house. Uh, no, I, I sort of fell into it, mate. I did the same way as did comedy. I did the comedy. Just went out to give it a go, and it suddenly turned into a job. And then with uh, um, with MMA, I just I just wanted to talk about it as a comedian. I was always bumping into people and trying to chat and find other people into mixed martial arts way back from yeah, 2003, 2004. Um, and then I just thought, you know what? I, I, I'd like to do a podcast. I'd like to speak to comedians about fighting, which led to me talking to about fighters about fighting, which led to me then commentating on fighting. So it all kind of just spiraled out of this, this wonderful world, which you two are the kings of, I've got to say, the, the, the podcast world. Um, but yeah, it was just doing something that I liked to do, just just talking about this, this crazy thing that humans decide is entertainment uh and it caught me from such a young age I, I always was uh, sort of 
hypnotized by these these spectacles. Mike Tyson, I remember sitting with my dad watching Mike Tyson, just couldn't believe a human being like that existed. Uh, Prince Nazim, like all the swag that came with him. Uh, Nigel Benn versus Chris Eubank, the, 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 these rivalries. And from, from that, I just got fascinated with combat sports. Um, somebody told me this thing about people fighting in a cage, which I just didn't believe. Like, I was thinking, you know, it's got to be some WWE thing going on here. And then uh, someone handed me a video and I was like, this, this is real. So uh, it all, all just kind of, all just fell from a little fascination of getting into this, the, yeah, that gladiatorial thing of fight of people just competing and putting themselves in this crazy situation where they're going to lay it all on the line. Uh, and then, yeah, somehow I managed to, to, to wangle some sort of career out of it, which I, I'm, I'm still kind of just hanging on to by my, my fingernails, to be honest, mate. Okay, can I just say, Brian, I'm so glad to hear that because of you kind of stumbling into it as just a fan because we did some panel bits and stuff, either on BT or Satanta back in the day even, and I always felt like the complete, like, I'm just a fan, I'm only here as a fan. <laughs> you were a commentator, there was always like a Dan Hardy or someone else. So it's good to hear that you were kind of, that's how you kind of found your way into is just, I just like talking about it. Because that, <laughs> that was my point on all of these panels. I was always like, I'm up for coming on to talk about it. I'm not an expert, I'm not, I'm not trained, I've not done any no. of this stuff, but I've watched loads of it. I've watched everything yeah, yeah. that's happened, so <laughs> let's talk. That's exactly that's exactly it, mate. Just 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 a little bit of passion, and both both comedy and this have been something which I'd never never thought would end up being a career. Never thought would get me doing the things I'm doing, but just because I love doing them. And then yeah. uh, now I'm sat here with you four very finely bearded human beings. So uh, <laughs> I feel like we've got some sort of thing. If we go round, it's like the evolution of beards here. It's perfect <laughs> on my screen. I don't know how it's sitting on yours, but it's looking very good. <laughs> Yeah, yours is a fair amount darker than the rest of ours, though. All of us are getting the, the greys. Mine's very exactly, if I grow mine out, I, I thought I'd do the lockdown beard. Mine was exactly like yours, mate. It comes out nice and white at the bottom. So, don't, no, it's, this is me hiding it. And, and, and one of the other things that seems to have been a bit of a constant uh, from, from what I see in your um, work within the MMA community is... Brad Pickett never seems too far from you. So, so well, we've had Brad on already as a guest, which was great. Um, and so, how did that kind of, you know, partnership friendship come about? So it was again. I was doing interviews with with comics about fighting, and then um, I thought, you know, what? I'm going to brave it. I'm going to I'm going to try and see if one of these fighters that I've watched for years, and Brad, I've watched him all the way through Cage Rage, Bodog. Uh, WEC going into the UFC and I kind of sent him a message and it was within 15 minutes he messaged me back and he just went yeah cool I'm up for a chat so I got dead nervous and did this did, did this interview with him and, and the thing that I think that sort of stood me in good stead especially with with the the interviews was I, I, I'm not I'm not a journalist I'm not somebody who's going to ask you just the standard questions like how's your weight cut and how's your camp and all that I went right back into his social media. Uh, I sort of found some crazy stuff that he'd done and I just asked him about that. And suddenly he was, he was just him. And his wife sent me a great message, Sarah, who's, who's absolutely awesome. After, after the interview, she said, that's the first interview that he's ever sounded like Brad. And I was like, that's the best compliment you can have. And so after that, when he had another fight, he said, can you interview me again? Um, then he did a thing called Wimp to Worry and he posted it on his uh, social media, which is where you train people for six months 
and uh, and get, put him in the cage. And he sent me a message saying, "You fancy having a go?" <laughs> so, so so he trained me for six months, stuck me in a cage, gave me my fight a nickname after he saw me spar as well, the Abomination. He said, <laughs> <laughs> he said, Do you know when you hear these these the the, the 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 sort of the story of how fighting nicknames come through? They all sound amazing. He literally came out of the spar and I've been battered, absolutely battered. And he went, "You're the Abomination, mate," and that was it. Just stuck. So. <laughs> And then ever since that, we've just been mates. We've been mates. We've done podcasts. We've done all sorts together. We travel the world together. Um, and he is one of the, the the nicest, most just lovely human beings that you could, you could ever wish to meet. I mean, he comes around here, plays with my daughter, and he has, we have dinners together and all that stuff. Obviously not now, not in lockdown, guys. Don't send the police or anything, all right? Uh, <laughs> But uh, he's, yeah, you wouldn't know. You would not know. I showed my wife one of his fights the other night. She went, that's not Brad. And he battered this poor dude. The, poor, <laughs> the, dude, got, the dude got him in a triangle. And he, he got so angry that he got in a triangle that when he got out, he was literally punching his feet, dropping elbows. Um, and just not the Brad you know. But that's, that's the beauty of these, these humans. They, they just love to compete. They just, they just found this thing. And, and uh, I'm very lucky to call him one of my best mates now. Wicked. Well... I guess before we look forward, should we just look back on uh, on, on some of the uh, the action from the weekend that's just been? Um, should we start with Bellator? That sounds good to me. Start with Bellator. Some real real fighting. Yeah, let's start with, with Bellator. Because <laughs> I know we're getting on to something later, but it's not real. Are you talking about the sparring you watched me do earlier? Is this what we're on about? What's going yeah. on? <laughs> but that's more real. Trust me. Um, uh, yeah, so Bellator, what, um, where do we want to start? Do we want to start at the top of the card or do we want to work our way up to the light heavyweight Grand Prix? Well, I'd like to... There's a couple of fights that were lower on the card that I'd like to, to mention. And, Go for it. Uh, I mean, Raymond Daniels. So oh. I, I, I just think however many questions there are over his wrestling... I mean, he seemed to hold his own wrestling uh, on, on, uh, on, on Friday night. I don't care. If I get to see them insane kicks and oh. them spear, I'm 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 up for the ride just for that. If if it's short lived within the MMA MMA world, so be it. But if you get to see them them kind of highlight real things that he does, I'm all over it. What are your thoughts? I, I thought it, I, I was surprised at the takedowns and the ground game. I mean, I, the last thing I expected from Raymond Daniels was was to in any way utilize that. I, I wonder if he maybe seemed like he was slightly getting tired towards the end of like the second and into the third round. Um, but yeah, as you say, it's, it, you you watch a Raymond Daniels fight and you're just like, it's it's like I would argue it's, it's like a more technical, precise version of watching like a Michelle Pereira fight. You're just like, just just. Spin him around and just let him go nuts. Just, just let him do his spinning kicks, go crazy, and and it's just so much fun to to watch. And uh, and it, we're just lucky that we didn't get the older uh, the Nad shots because it was the rematch from the uh, uh, in um, was is it Stanonic that he yeah. fought before where he gave him two spinning back kicks to the nuts. And honest to God. I'd be lying if I said I didn't find it slightly funny when he was rolling around on the floor, screaming, oh, God, oh, God. But there's also a part of me that knows that I'm possibly going to hell for that. But they were bad. But then watching him do that, and then, I mean, I had to go... Uh, my wife was was watching that with me. I was watching it in the morning. My wife was watching it with me. And she was like, wow, he's amazing, isn't he? So even 
someone that doesn't watch any sort uh, sort of fighting other than maybe like a glamorized kind of superhero movie or something like that will watch that and go, oh, that's incredible. And I think that's the beauty of having Raymond Daniels around. Yeah, I, I mean, I completely agree. He fights like everyone plays the UFC computer game fights. <laughs> yes. Like, like it's, it's, it's not realistic and tactical. It's all the flash moves, not using any of the... I can't be bothered with jabs and that. It's like amazing stuff. But I think mixed martial arts used to have spectacles. It used to, it didn't used to always, everyone has to be in the title run. And I've no interest in Raymond Daniels working his way up to a title shot or anything like that. Just add to that highlight reel. Like, there's going to be more and more highlight reels on YouTube. And that should be his role at the moment. Just going, and not, I'm not saying it should be complete mismatches, because I do worry with that, with Bellator in particular sometimes, that people are just go in there to get a beating, and that's not a sport anymore. But the guys he's been against have been decent, like, can hold their own, unless they're being kicked in the balls and crying on the floor obviously but that's that's fair <laughs> enough but yeah that's what I want to see from Raymond and even though he didn't get a finish it was still possibly the most moments I went oh my god of the whole weekend like he, he didn't f- finish it but there were still numerous kicks that came close yeah. or didn't land or did land I'm like oh, Jesus that's amazing and <laughs> he, he just had a three round decision or whatever it's like fair enough absolutely Love him. you a fan Brian? Oh, yeah, always, mate. It's exactly that thing. And I think Pip sort of touched on it perfectly there. You, you want to match him with people that he's going to be able to do the shit that we, we want him to be able to, to see him do. And uh, with, with Bellator, you just hope that they, they kind of do that. You really do hope that they, uh, they give him some good fights, but some fights that, um, yeah, just let him be who he is because that's what we want. We want, we want to flick through Instagram and go, what, what the hell was that? What's that crazy stuff that's going on? So, yeah, it's a, it's a win. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm happy he's, he's got that. I, I was really the fight that caught my eye the most, though. I think on this card was probably the second on the on the actual card. Mads Burrell versus Sol Rogers. That's one that I think. Mad, especially... mate. How did Mads get released by the UFC? He's uh, got to be the best outside the UFC, like like at a decent age as well, and things like that. He's ridiculous. It's just that's happened just, a couple of times just... lately. I think. Yeah, like, yeah, is it Magomed, Magomedov? Yeah. He, he, he left the UFC. There's a lot of fighters that are not keeping old. There's a lot of fighters that are leaving the UFC recently in their prime with great years ahead of them. Not just, you know, you know if, if Overeem and Dos Santos get picked up by Bellator, you go, oh, that's kind of a Bellator signing, isn't yeah. it? But that's not just what they're doing anymore. They are picking up the young, the, hungry ones. The problem with Mads is they cut him because of you guys' mate, recent guest Arnold Allen beat him, and no one knew how good Arnold Allen was at that point. So they just thought, oh, he's been beaten by this young, young, ordinary-looking British lad. Let's get rid of him. And then Arnold Allen goes on to prove he's one of the best in the world. And Mads happened to just... That happened to be a fight that could have been a title fight at some point. But it just happened to happen early in their UFC careers. And people thought, oh, who's this guy? Let's get rid of him. Madness. It's truly madness as well, mate. And those two, Madsen and Sol being matched up, because Sol is someone who's got a bit, got, um, he's had an up and down sort of career. There's lots of things that have happened around, outside the cage, but he's in such good shape. He's got so yeah. many good people around him now. And for Mads to be able to submit him like that, that, that just, and you saw it with Sol afterwards. He, he knows how good that guy is. It wasn't like it was a loss where he's going, I should have beat that guy. It's one of those where he knows that that is a quality fight. If I win yeah. this, I, I go bouncing up. But if I lose it, I don't really lose that much because it's, it's Mads Burrell. Yeah. It's Mads Burrell. Like that, that kid's going to be a problem for lots of people uh, in that division for Bellator. 
really is. Just to flick back onto Raymond Daniels, Raymond Daniels, I believe, is 40 years old. And he's at welterweight, right? Am I right in saying that? He's at welterweight? Yeah, I think so. Hmm. So, I mean, I know he hasn't deserved it yet, but he's 40, so, you know, we're pushed for time. Can we scrap MVP's match and just do MVP Raymond Daniels? Just do it. Just do it. That's Ooh, the thing I going to say. Just do it. It's, it's hilarious that we want Raymond Daniels to get the kind of matchmaking that we've all been annoyed that MVP has had in Bellator. Yeah. It's such a weird <laughs> counter thing because MVP 100%. was young with it and it's like you want some good people, but all they gave him was highlight real stuff. Yet here we are sitting saying, look, just give Raymond Daniels people he can beat up. But yeah, that'd be amazing, wouldn't it? It would feel like father and son. I know MVP's dad obviously is a, a kickboxer and everything else, but it would feel like a father and son matchup. Cause... It, it'd be like two people just picking martial law in Tekken 2 and then yeah. just hitting those kick buttons <laughs> and he's spinning all over the place, just going mad. It'd be amazing. I would love it so much. Scra- exactly I know MVP's it. got a fight lined up, but just scrap it. Raymond Daniels MVP. Everyone uh, wants to see it. That's Take perfect. my money. That kind of that, that picking the same character in a fight game and they look slightly different. They make a slight change. Don't they, don't? They've got the same build, the same physique. Go. <laughs> yeah, all over that. Well, there's another British lad on the card, uh, Paul Daly. Um, what were your thoughts on that fight? Mate. Mate, that was madness, wasn't it? <laughs> it's incredible. <laughs> he brings that, though, doesn't he? Unless he's getting wrestled and complaining about it, or wrestling and complaining about it. <laughs> either, either way, anything involving wrestling, he's not going to be happy if he's doing it or if someone else is. Um, <laughs> But if someone's up for just standing and banging, is there is there a more guaranteed exciting fighter than Paul Daly? And how Carol. tough how tough is the dude, mate? Yeah. That was a, that first round. At this point in his career as at well. This at this point, point in his well, career. He could, take, he could take the money, he could take these yeah. easy fights, he, he can easy do that. He can rack up those paychecks. He took a tough fight, he had a really tough first round, and then that that it just shows you the quality of him. There was there was a bit in the midst of the mayhem where he's he's throwing these knees. He's got the clinch. He's got the knees. Then he takes, digs a body shot. A Paul Daly left hook body shot right in the midst of it. And yeah. He's phenomenal. He and I think obviously with what happened in the UFC with um, uh, who did he hit after the bell? Koscheck. Koscheck. So yeah, mm. um, that's that. We probably haven't seen the matchups, the best matchups that we could have seen with Paul Daly going just because of that. But um, saying that, he's still value for money. He's still doing the business. He's turning up and he's putting on these sort of fights. He's, he's oh. so underrated, especially I think on the UK. And, and who's who's he fighting with? What what team? We know he came through like Rough House. It's not yeah, like he's I'm got not sure. an American top team with him, or he's not like he's got uh, Henry Hoof behind him. He's doing it on his own, mate. Yeah. He's doing this on his own. He's he's our, he's our Tony Ferguson, basically. Mm. And it's weird. I, like, I wish I could say it was one moment of madness ruined it for him, but he's doubled down on it numerous times, saying, like, I'd punch him again. <laughs> I, you know, like, at no point did he show remorse for it. It wasn't like this, this moment of madness ru- ruined it. You, you've seen Dana say, I'll never let this person fight again and then go back on it, but Paul's given no indication of that because he's just continued to be, yeah, fuck him. <laughs> it's like, all right. But it's I mean, true, I'm, like his his like like highlighting of the knees was spot on because he makes he always surprises me with him. It, it makes me think of like Pat Barry with like a shorter guy, but can get those legs up there ridiculously. I never expect it, even though he's done it before. Always expect it to j- just be those body shots and those and those hooks. Um, 
And then, yeah, those knees, as soon as he had the clinch, and it was really like knees around a corner as well. It's not like it was just there. He was having to proper <laughs> turn him into it, and he was yeah. landing them. Beautiful fighter. I mean, I'm looking at uh, Daly's record at the moment, just like recent record. And, I mean, he's 38 years old, and his only kind of recent losses, you've got Douglas Lima, uh, Rory McDonald, John Fitch, and MVP. I mean, they're yeah. no mugs. They're, they're no. top, yeah. top fighters. So it's not like he's getting beat by any bums. He's not getting beat by even really mid-level guys. If he's getting beat, he's getting beat by top-level guys. So, I mean, at 38 years old, there's still he could go on for quite a while, couldn't he? Yeah. I'd say so. I think the only problem is he's been beaten by the only top-level guys we know of outside the UFC, really. Yeah. So do you know, I mean, there's there's not really there's others he's beaten. It's like they are kind of the three you'd go. Oh, they could make it back in the UFC or in the UFC, and they've all beaten him. So it's that tough kind of. Is he better off again doing this highlight reel type end of career? Just just knock some yeah. people out and get some paychecks. I, I don't think that's what B- B- Bellator wants to be or should be. But there's also a place for that kind of thing. Like it, it saddens me. There's people like. BJ Penn, or or, or 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 more at the moment, Frankie Edgar. I don't think I think the time has come that he doesn't need to be fighting the top of the division. Mm. I think he can he can still fight and still be around, but fight some lower level and some newer people and have some easier fights as such. But not just go. You're not in the top five now, so you have to retire, as tends to be the case of because you see them take a brutal a brutal beating from someone that good. I think. Daly wouldn't have a title run in the UFC, but he could have some great scraps in there and make some yeah, highlights. There'd be an amazing welterweight legends league, wouldn't there? I mean, yeah. you, you just look at it. You know, if you <laughs> threw Daly in league. there, you, you, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You would, there'd be some great fights. Imagine Daly versus Carlos Condit, Robbie Lawler, even Tyron Woodley now, because, I mean, yeah. let's face it, Tyron's not what he was. Um, oh, Ty- Tyron's I mean, calling someone else out at the moment, Blake, but we'll get on to that. Oh, God, here we go. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, there are Donald Cerrone up at World War. I mean, those are fun. They're big names. They could, they could headline Nate fight Diaz. nights easily. Nate Diaz. I mean, that'd Come be on. fantastic. He's, he gave us one of the best rounds ever with Nick Diaz. Let's stick him in there with Nate Diaz <laughs> yeah. next. I love and it, And while Blake, we're at it, bring Nick back. Three-minute rounds. A whole oh, Masters division. Oh, oh. <laughs> Guys, I, I smell a promotion that we could really make some money out of here. Let's all put it's the money in the pot. Live, is it, lads? We yeah. have to talk about some sort of split in contracts before this yeah. does. Yeah, let's Verbal go off trademark. mic for a minute and then we'll come back. Yeah. <laughs> One of us will be really upset. Blake, Blake's been cut out completely. <laughs> what the fuck? This is my idea. <laughs> Listen, mate, sit down. <laughs> All right, um, Corey Anderson. What are you saying? He's, he was just dominant, wasn't saying? he? Yeah, yeah, just dominant. I mean, listen, I, 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 go on. Sorry, I got. No, I was going to say, is it? Uh, I'm, I can't remember. I can't even remember the guy's name that he beat. Yuri Yugushav Yakshimurado. And you know what? That was a quality accent. Can we hear that one more time? Dovlechan Yakshimuradov. <laughs> oh mate, beautiful like sweet vodka. Um, that was yeah. So I mean, but again, other than one kind of spinning heel kick, which was impressive for a guy of that size, you know, 
I don't really know that guy too well. I don't know if you do, Brian, but it's hard to quantify how good a win that is when you don't know the opposition so well. Well, listen, I've called seven of Dovlet Jan's fights. So he's fought seven fights leading up to this, and he has taken on all sorts of different different fighters, different looks, and in one of the like the, the craziest territories, like um deep deepest, darkest Russia, taking on people from Dagestan, taking on people from Chechnya, taking on people from all like all these wrestling backgrounds and like monsters down there, absolute uh, yeah, a, a killer's row of, of fighters. And I actually, like, I thought he was going to be sort of the one that's sneaking up on the inside because nobody really knows this guy. And I've seen him go up against everyone that thought he was a striker to start with. Uh, so they put him in against the wrestler and then he out-wrestled the wrestler. Then everyone put him in. They, so they mixed it up with him. And I was just so impressed with Corey Anderson. That, that, shows, that shows there's levels in this game. Yeah. And he's another one that, like, he left the UFC... Um, and he's so good. He he was so good. All his work. I'm, I'm glad he dropped that that name, the nickname he first had. Do you remember that he was tw- uh, beast in twenty five? Tw- tw- yeah, yeah, that's right. Twenty five eight. That was his nickname. Yeah. One of the worst nicknames in MMA. <laughs> um, but it just showed how good he was, and it shows that that's 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 a tough fight for anybody in that uh, in that in in the um, the Grand Prix. Do you think he's going to be the spoiler in the Grand Prix? Because he does feel like the kind of the dark horse who's because. Again, I rate Bader, but he's been out of the UFC for a long time, so there is always that we don't know the real test of the level. Um, so he could be the one that kind of su- surprises people in Bader and Nemkov, or or obviously Rumble and and Romero, which are kind of the the wild cards of it all in every sense of the word. Um, but yeah, I think he could surprise people, and I think. I'd be quite disappointed if he did, because <laughs> because I do rate him, but I'm not. As I said, I've never got that excited about him. I think that's why he didn't last in the UFC, is he didn't spark people with excitement. So yeah, I, I just had to look at his record. It's exactly what you said. It's, it's one of those fights where you know he's been good. You know he's had yeah. lots of wins. But I was trying to think what's what's one that stands out, and it's uh, it's, it's difficult. Obviously, he lost that fight to, to uh, the champ now, Jan Blakovich. Um, and then he was he was cut from not cut. I think he saw out his contract there, and then took another yeah. one, one with Bellator. Um, but yeah, he beat Ilya Latifi, Glover Teixeira, Patrick Cummings, Johnny Walker. Um, so he's, he's good, mate. But he's just not. Yeah. He's not box office. That's the sad. That's yeah. the sad thing, isn't it? <clears throat> when you're looking at these fights, and you look at these Grand Prix, and, and Scott Coker is so good at those. You look at the Strike Force heavyweight one. That was amazing. Uh, yeah. This one as well. That the names he's got in there, and even the fact they've matched Romero against Rumble as as one of the first round. Uh, uh, fights is, is it's just exciting. It makes it, it makes you want to watch Bellator, which is something you I wasn't saying like two years ago. It wasn't something that I was tuning in a lot for. But and, they got, go on. Yeah, I was gonna say, and Grand Prix are so hard, like they're so risky, and they've shown it with the featherweight one. It's paid off with the dream kind of final, and it's it's so, so risky to know how it's going to go if you're going to end up with just um, yeah, rather than Fedor winning or Olovsky winning, it's this guy called Daniel Cormier that no one's ever heard of has, <laughs> has beaten everyone. It's, it's that kind of thing. It pays off in history, but at the time, people yeah. were like, this This tournament had Overeem, Bigfoot. Josh Barnett. Uh, you know, Josh yeah. Barnett, Fedor, Orlovsky, yeah. and Daniel Cormier was like a backup who ends up winning it all. And again, history changed that, but that shows the risk of Grand Prix. But they seem to, yeah, they're working out at the moment over there. So it's exciting. Well, I guess before we move on to uh, a, another event, we should uh, also touch on uh, Phil Davis 
uh, and, uh, and 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 his scrap at the Nemkov. At the, yeah, um, thoughts. Yeah, I thought again. I think he's Nemkov is that guy outside of the UFC that again is a, is a spoiler in many ways. Like they wanted you kind of the idea was clearly Bader is going to be the 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 champ champ and and hold on to this, and he turns up and goes no. Not so much, and then Phil Davis is another one that yeah he's he's just yeah he's dominant. Hmm. I've got to be honest. I, I, the fight didn't excite me. Uh, I, I thought it was very it was watchable, but yeah, I, I, instantly I, I, I stopped getting excited about Phil Davis after about four weigh-ins because the weigh-ins <laughs> always excite me because he's built like this that, animal. It, he does this it. weird pose that looks yeah. like a superhero toy. He'll have pink <laughs> pants on, and I'll be like, man. And then he'll get to the fight, and it'll be athletic, but it won't be very exciting. It'll be very um, businesslike. It'll be that that period where G- GSP. You know, I heard on, I think it was on the Severe MMA podcast, they they summed it up really well. They said, Phil Davis is too clever to be an exciting MMA fighter. He's got t- too much of a brain to go, well, here's how I fight and not get hurt, which everyone sh- should be doing, but that takes a lot out of it. And JSP had that period where he'd say, look, my my job is to go in here and take as little damage as possible. It's not to entertain you. I've been the champ for X amount of years. I've done head kick knockouts, I've done Superman, I basically invented the Superman punch, now I'm going to go in there and win, and it got more boring, and that's kind of where it feels like Phil Davis is, but he doesn't have necessarily the accolades to to get, to, to make the fans go along with that, or accept that, I guess. Okay, well look, before we get on to um, this weekend's uh, UFC, uh, I mean, uh, what what's worrying is, most of the, the the headlines when it comes to combat sports this weekend hasn't been about Bellator or hasn't been about the the headline fight from UFC, which I think we're all going to agree on and discuss how incredible that was. Amazing. It was about uh, a YouTuber and former UFC fighter, Ben Askren. Yeah. Um, I personally don't know who... Is, is it Jake or Logan? There's, there's two Jake, of them, isn't it? This one, isn't it? Jake, See, yeah. I, I don't know who they. I know they're YouTubers, and my kids know them. But I, you know, I, I, I don't want to sound like Granddad Whiff in here, but I don't know hardly anything about him. Um, but the curiosity got the better of me this morning, and I went online just to see what it was. Um, but I mean, I mean, I, th- I think everybody obviously is going to know that Ben Askren got 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 sparked, um, and. I just wonder, like, collectively, like, what are all your thoughts on this kind of new wave of 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 YouTubers calling out or getting called out now? Because I, I mentioned earlier um, that Tyrone Woodley's now called him out. I see that CB Dolloway called him out, and BJ and- Penn. Really? BJ Penn has tweeted and oh, had a response. No. Triller, give me the fight. I'll knock him out in one round. Oh, God. I don't know if he's talking about a round at the bar or a round at yeah. the or whatever. Come on. It's, it's sad to see. I mean, I, it, really, the, the underlying thing for this to this for me is we are not paying the mixed martial artists enough money. Because there's no way someone with the history of BJ Penn, even Tyron Woodley... Tyron Woodley, uh, ha, ha, what, yeah, he's never never going to be the GSP level, but I think 
until Usman maybe has a couple more wins, which I think he will get and we'll get on to later, you could make a very valid argument that Tyron Woodley is the second best welterweight the UFC has seen. There's a valid argument for that. So for him to now be calling out Jake Paul and stuff as well is is ludicrous. The, 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 these, I mean, obviously people, these people are after an easy paycheck or whatever, but I, I just have no interest in it. Like I'm far more interested in the whole Legends League stuff. Like. You know, uh, uh, Mike Tyson versus uh, Roy yeah. Jones. Yeah, for that, that's that's fun. Yeah, that's that's great. But not necessarily a YouTuber. I mean, if you want to do like charity events, like you know, years back we had friggin' Ricky Gervais for or Les Dennis versus Bob Mortimer and Ricky Gervais. <laughs> that's fine. You know, if I'm sixty, and legends some, of the sport. Legends, legends, of, legends of the sport. <laughs> but you know, those charity matches. If someone wants me to kickbox Ralph Little in twenty years, then yeah, let's do it. It's a good laugh. But we're doing it for charity. We're not doing it for selfish reasons to make money. And no one within that group tries to convince people that they are a fighter. And don't get me wrong. Jake Paul, Logan Paul, they're, they're YouTube millionaires and they're spending all their money training. And that's, that's, that's great. Well done for you. You're keeping fit. You're, you're doing really well. You're, you're, you're making your hobby, you know, a big part of your life. That's fantastic. But for everyone to get so excited about it, and, and let's be honest, that Jake Paul, to me, is coming across as effectively like the bully in the school that only picks on kids in the years below him. Yeah. It's like, so Ben Askren has just had hip surgery. And let's be honest, he made Damian Meyer look like Raymond Daniels when they fought. <laughs> like, yeah. you, you, you cannot say that Ben Askren is a striker. You can't. I know that sounds harsh. And I love, I, I'm one of the guys that really likes Ben Askren. I think he's very, very funny. If you yeah. haven't seen his um, take on, oh God, who's, who's the singer that did that? Hello song. Not he did the Adele one. Adele, that's and, it. Adele. And he did the Baby Shark one. He's done so many good ones. But he His did Rocky great, training montage was, was incredible. Great, that was true. My favourite is the Adele to Dana White <laughs> yeah. before he got to UFC. Yeah. So funny. Like, I, I think he's quite a likeable bloke. But <clears throat> yeah, you, you can't put him in as a striker. You could see them at the weigh-ins. It looked like Jake Paul was very, very trim. Whether he had to cut a little bit of weight or not, I don't know. But Ben Askren was just like, he's just got off the sofa. And, and I know he was never a ripped guy, but that wasn't his yeah. game, you know. So he's done that, and then he's beat up an NBA star or whatever it is. It's, it's ridiculous. I mean, Dylan Dennis. Did you watch it, though? Did you, watch, did you actually watch it? No, the... I've seen the knockout on Twitter. That's, that's all it is. But I've just, I've just got no Cause, cause interest Jake, in I'm, it. I, I'm the same. I'm not interested, but I have ended up out of curiosity watching clips. And Jake has got a bit about him. He, he's, yeah. he's Of all of the YouTube ones... He understands a bit of footwork. He's not just going in and swinging. He he keeps his guard up a bit. Obviously, as soon as he throws his his arms around his his waist, but he's got a bit about him. But the thing that did either were any of you up watching last night in general? Because I didn't watch the Jake Paul <laughs> event, but I was cracking up at Twitter's reactions because the event opened with uh, the Black Keys doing a song. Um, and everyone was like, oh, the Black Keys are doing a song. And then it turned out the Black Keys were doing a 30-minute gig. <laughs> <laughs> so, so everyone was just completely outraged, because rather than an opening song, they were doing a whole show. And then like Justin Bieber came out and did like 25 minutes or something. So, so it was basically a concert that had some fights sp- sp- sprinkled in about it and some 
Pete Davison was doing a bit of stand-up at one point. Um, and it's just, it sounded like an absolute sh- shit show. And that's what kind of excited me. Because, Blake, like y- you were saying, the annoyance of people getting excited over this thing as if it's something good. By the time the fight started, from what I could see, no one was excited anymore. So they did their own job of, of, of killing that excitement. It was really, everyone was like, what is this? Why are we here? Do, do, you, know, do you know the bit that got me? That, that like, there, was two, there was two bits. First of all, Michael Buffer was there. And he dialed it in, mate. That was the most lacklustre, ready to rumble I have heard in my life. You could see him looking around. And then um, there was the bit where uh, Jake Paul was doing that thing where he's swinging his arms before the fight. And you're like, what, what, are, you, what are you doing, mate? What's, what's going on? And they've panned to the re- referee, who is the oldest man in the world right now. <laughs> this is just... And then the fight started. And I knew that I had to turn the commentary off as soon as, because the first thing that he shouted as they were announcing it, some guy was trying to actually announced the fight and then in the background all you could hear was one guy going i'm about to come i'm about to come what are we watching i'm about to come um, amazing and, and, then, and then the other thing is so ben Askren got got caught it was a, it was a good punch he got knocked yeah. down but when the referee got him back to his feet when he got back to his feet like that's that's how he walks because he did that whole thing of walk towards me and he kind of waddled. Went, that's how he walks. <laughs> like, was like he can't continue. He can't, no, that's it. He's, he's, he's absolutely. He's got no balance. He's had hip surgery. Yeah, <laughs> the guy can't I, walk. Genuinely, I was excited. I was like, any second now, that ref is going to pull off his mask and it's Robbie Lawler. <laughs> <laughs> it was oh. me all along. The other thing that cracked me up again, I saw a clip of it because I was just, I didn't watch any of it I'm not interested but I was up for the UFC so I was seeing all the clip on the stuff on Twitter and during one of the fights earlier we're in the last 20 s- s- seconds of the fight and they cut away because Pete Davidson had arrived at his, at his desk so they just cut to him walking to his desk as the commentary is still talking about the fight but it shows the the priority of that show last 20 seconds they're like oh look Pete's here <laughs> there he is. he's just he's putting his bags down Oh, the fight's over. The fight's over, guys. The fight's over. Let's get the result. Such a shambles. All right. Well, look, I think uh, it's, it's safe to say we're not uh, we're not really on board with, with this. I am definitely, for one, on board with um, Blake's call-out of Ralph Little. Um, yep. Ralph, if you're listening, we'll, uh, let's talk. Let's that's get this your, rolling. That's true. That is his soundbite for this. I don't, no other promotion but that call-out yeah. again and again. Yeah. You can add add some special effects to the voice, make it sound a little bit angrier. <laughs> Promo stuff, make a, a moody poster out of some of their, uh, their, their headshots. The big bomb drop at the end. That'll definitely be one of the fights where you can't tell the people apart. That's that Spider-Man meme where we're both looking at each other and pointing. <laughs> and the winner is... Sorry, who, which, which one, one are you? <laughs> yeah. I've had that before. Both Ralph and I have both been mistaken in broadsheet <laughs> newspapers for each other. It's ridiculous. Amazing. Oh, well, it needs settling then, mate. It we need settling. One of, only one, one of us can survive. Leave. One of us got to leave There can town. be only one. There can, there be, can only be only one. one. It's getting very Highlander up in here. <laughs> All right, well, look, let's, let's move on to um, uh, the UFC event this weekend. And... Should we start at the top? I mean, we won't go through the whole card because we've got so much to discuss with what's coming up next weekend. But, mm. I mean, Whitaker Gaslam, I mean, unbelievable, right? So good. 
I loved it. I loved it. And I, I loved it. I loved the timing of it because as you guys did a great episode the other week about the question marks in the middleweight division, Whitaker came out, clearly heard that episode and said, oh, there's no clearly. question marks. <laughs> there's no question marks, lads. He is who should be next in the title fight. And he put on a performance that made me think he's the only person I'd cons- consider it'll be close. Like I, 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 After watching him then, he looks as good as he's ever looked. And you could see him being that technical fighter that 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 beats Izzy, Izzy this time. And I think there's always something... I, I keep mentioning a GSP, but he was an intelligent fighter like Whitaker. And whenever he lost, he'd come back in the rematch and dominate because he'd, he'd had that moment in there with him. And they always said, like with Ronda, like when she was having her complete ascension... People would say it's just overwhelming being in there with her. And if you could maybe experience that and get over it, then you'd have a chance. But it was just that thing of she had such a presence. Like Anson Silver was another example of you can't prepare for that because there's no one who, who you can spar with to give you the feel of Anson Silver. So the fact that Whitaker's been in there and felt what Izzy can do, you know, brutally, and now he looks, what is it, four wins now since he. Three. three or four wins since three, he lost yes. three since he lost to him, and uh, yeah, I thought he looked amazing. And again, the shout in the in the post fight interview of Australia's open, venues are open, stadiums right. are open. Giving what the a, people what a gig that could be. What a show! Um, I'm going to apologise now, lads. I've I've come down to the kitchen to stay out of the way of the the the, the little sprog going to bed and everything, and then the wife's come and fed the dog biscuits. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Walked in, but like it could be we've got wet food over there. We've got wet, anything that would have been less noisy than a whole pile of biscuits in a plastic <laughs> bowl right next to me. I'm like, come on, come on, guys, come on, eat up, blah, blah. it's all right. Stu normally cracks open a packet of crisps halfway through, so that'll, that'll start in a minute, mate. Don't worry. Listen, so I, I watched it, um, I watched it this morning. I got, as I say, I got this the, the little child that there's no doesn't care about any sort of times that I'm up or doing whatever. But I watched it and my, I hit my joy at the floor from the start, right from the start. It was like, it's one of those moments where you, in fact, it's one of the fights where you see somebody's in the moment, like the Max Holloway one against Qatar. Yeah. You just see that they're seeing, it's like there's little tiny things that you see that he's, he's a step ahead of Gastelum in there. The way he checked those kicks, like reading them as if they like they were coming at him in slow motion. There's also a great um, shot there in the midst of a, a, a swing at each other, real close quarters, and he comes up with a nice little uppercut, uppercut. right in the, and and steps away. So for me, he there was there was something different about him. He looked relaxed outside of the um, the, the event. He looked yeah. very chilled. He looked to be enjoying it. There was there was points coming up to the Izzy fight. Um, and even the one where he was set to fight Gastelum before, where he just didn't seem like he was enjoying being there. And this time, you, you saw he's having fun. His post-fight interview was fun. He enjoyed the fight. Um, and he showed that he's not the fighter he was three fighters ago. So he's, he's mm. obviously in the gym working on stuff and getting better. And I, I, they said it in the commentary, he's 30 years old. I thought he was older than that. Because I remember he won his... Um, they both won their version of the, the, the Tough Show, right? At yeah. Welterweight. Um, and I remember when he won that, I thought, yeah, he's, he's good, he's tough. But I didn't think he was as good as the fight since have proved that he is, especially when he stepped up to he stepped up to uh, middleweight against Clint Hester, who was just an Adonis, an absolute monster yeah. of a human. And I thought size, size matters. It really does matter. And that jump from welterweight to middleweight is all, always an issue. And he spanked him. 
And I was like, hang on a minute. And then since then, he's had these amazing fights. The Yo Romero one, the last one with Romero was an epic. Yeah. That's takes, yeah, that, that's one of my favorite fights. Um, so yeah, I, I think last night he proved, he absolutely proved he deserved that, isn't, that shot. Isn't it great to watch someone improve? Yes. Like, I think it's a beautiful thing. He's like you can can look at Max Holloway as well, who always looked good, and then you've just seen these levels and levels. And Nate Diaz is an, another example. For a long time, it was just he was the younger brother of Nick. He's good, he's tough, but just improved, improved. And I don't think there's a better example than than Whitaker. Just how he looked like a decent welterweight. You know, had wins, had losses, and then 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 when he found his weight class and found his his technique, he's just, yeah, he's elite. Yeah, he said I, in the... I've, oh, go on, Stu. I didn't see the, 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 the post-fight, and mm. and I, I don't know if, if Dana said anything, if Whitaker's going to get the shot. I see that Vittori was there watching. Um, I've not seen... They said that he was going to be on the, the, the post-show being interviewed, so I've not seen that. I, d- I did see him, uh, a thing that uh, got posted on the socials of him being interviewed about... Uh, Whitaker, and he did say that um, he throws them really horrible um, low kicks, uh, like the front the front kicks. And uh, he said, which I really hate. Oh, I shouldn't have said that, should I? <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Are you talking about those? Is it the oblique kick, the one that John? Yeah, the oblique kick. Yeah, yeah, it does. I mean. That, that that has been a bonus. There's a lot of fighters out there that really hate those kicks that affect more the joints than the muscles and stuff. Yeah. But I mean, it's it's legal. What what can you do? That's what he's doing. So that is silly of him to to say that. But also, who are you kidding, Vittori? You ain't beating Robert Whittaker. There's 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 no. I mean, I, think so. I, I think it's very very obvious that Whittaker is the second best middleweight in the world. I think, uh, as you mentioned, I mean, he's beaten. Three guys, he's come off a loss and then beaten three guys in the top 10 and mm. and done it s- stylishly. You know, he, I mean, I know Till was like a bit of a back and forth, it could maybe have gone either way until the last round, and there was a hell of a lot of respect there between them. And I kind of half expected a similar fight against Gastelum, and what we got was a complete shutout 50 45. No problems at all. He dealt with Cannoneer with no problems at all. He, he said in his, you know, the first post-fight interview that I can't remember who he said he was doing it with, but he's really worked on his hands and he feels like his hands have been the best they've ever been. And as you say, he's 30. He's still mm. now only just in those prime years. And also, he's spoken very openly in the past about mental health issues that he's had. And there seemed to be a thing with him and a little bit also Rose Namajunas, who we'll talk about later as well, where the burden of being champion doesn't sit right with them. They, they, they find it difficult to deal with either, whether it's the fame aspect or being hunted by so many other fighters or an expectation. So I don't know what that feeling would be, but there's something there and he's maturing as a man. And it looks to me like he's very happy. It looks to me like he's very chilled, very happy. And if you throw him in with Adesanya now, again, back to your point, Pip, having already experienced that, yeah. that as well, I think it's I, – I don't know whether he could get it done. I do think Izzy is so good. But is it a better fight than the last one? Yes, I think it could be a decision rather than yeah. a, a second-round knockout. So uh, sign, sign me up for it and sign me up on the same card – 
throw in Vittori v Brunson. Throw in Vittori yeah. v Brunson. The you know that's the co-main event, and then at the end of it, you have a, a nice little face-off. Yeah, that, that'd be perfect. Winner gets to keep Kevin Holland as, <laughs> as they both beat him in the, in, in the exact exact same way. Yeah. Here we go. Here's your prize. Well, um, before we, I mean, we won't go through the whole card because, like I said, we've got plenty to talk about um, mm. for, for, for next weekend. But one of the fights that I got up this morning, um, much like you, Brian, got up early this morning to watch it, um, and I was like, "Where's, where's Jeremy Stevens?" Mm. And and then obviously see the, the 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 post that was put out by the UFC. That correct me if I'm if I get this wrong, but obviously at the at the, the, the standoff uh, at the weigh-in. Um, he looked quite. It, it all got very close, and then you just see Jeremy proper give him a shove in the chest, a big one, yeah. and you don't actually see where he went. He went off camera from the footage Flies that I off, saw, yeah. um, and then from what we gather, he said like instantly he felt a numbing in his hand and his neck, and and yeah, doctors have advised now not to not to go ahead with a fight. I mean, does anyone know anything other than that about? Or, the, or, the, or that was all announced at the beginning of of okay. the show and then on Twitter as well and it's again it's heartbreaking to to lose the co-main and such a great fight um close close but no Dakar um and uh, oh, you enjoyed that didn't you <laughs> I loved it <laughs> oh, it's, it's better than the good and one last good. week lads come on <laughs> don't you shoot him oh, down Stu <laughs> I mean I've got a credit Susie Cousy on Twitter for that. She dropped that last night, and I was like, "Oh my word!" As soon as it happened, as well, like that. But um, yeah, and again, a lot of people were angry. But then, if you watch the clip, he had his hand behind his back, and um, people talking or commentators like you will have have said this numerous times, Brian. It's the it's the punches you don't see coming that do the most damage, and he wasn't prepared for that. Hands behind no. his back, and then he got pushed. So. Because a lot of people were kind of arguing, oh, if you if that if you've been injured out from a push, how would you have done in the fight? Like it's basically a loss. It's like no, it's a different thing, and yeah, it, it, it looks like it'd be a whiplash. And again, you think of how many punches after the bell have done more. Like they've been punched the whole round, and that one that lands after the bell does more damage than everything because they're not prepared for it and they're not in their stance and they're not tensed and all that. So yeah, it seems like a horrible one and a shame to lose it because of that kind of bravado it's it's a freak one as well and it's the funny thing is stevens came up and he was he went he got in my face but stevens is the one that walks right into him plants his <laughs> nose on his nose oh, i don't like this bang the guy's got his hands behind his back stevens come on mate i know it's been a while uh but it was one yeah it's it's whiplash basically because he talked about even not being able yeah. to uh, uh, mild concussion whiplash however you want to frame it um and you, you, yeah those things you, you it's like you said, you don't know, it's the ones you don't see. But also that stuff, it takes, a, it's individual as far as how long it takes to get over it as well. I know people have had fights, uh, been absolutely fine and then they've been rolling in jiu-jitsu and they've, they've been caught just not with the back of a heel or something, just clipping their heads. And that's caused more problems for them. Yeah. Uh, Andrew Fisher is the one that I'd, I'm thinking of. He, he was out for two years because of a, a little wow. accident just rolling. Um, unable to compete. Took him out, uh, just Jeez. didn't feel right. Basically concussion. So... You wonder what the UFC are going to do with Stevens. Um, it's just a shame, mate, because that was a fight as well. That's I a mean, fight. Stevens will trade off it, right? Because <laughs> he's, he's got that badass character. And there's all this, like, again, the marketing of him as the hardest hitter at 145. Everyone ignoring that he's had 
four knockouts in his 32 UFC fights. <laughs> it's, it's, it's madness. But, but, but again, I buy into it. I'm like, he's the hardest hitter in the division. It's like, yeah. is he? The is, hardest is he? pusher. He's had a couple of TK, he's had four TKOs as well. So there's been some in there, but still. But again, I think because of that, he's, he's put a guy out of the fight by pushing him. That's going to be surely his. <laughs> it, it plays into his his Lil Heaven character of, the, of being a badass. Meme, but meme going around saying uh, he's the first person to get a TKO at the weigh-ins. So yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. I also heard something that uh, closer whispered, "Who the fuck is that guy?" To him. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, but I mean, the UF, What do UFC do there? Do the UFC step in and punish him in some way? Because it doesn't seem like. You think, it's, right? It's, yeah, you would think they would because I, I I feel like it's not really the UFC's way to to, to punish people that, or at least publicly anyway. They used let let a lot of fighters get away with a lot, but his stupid action has cost them yeah. their co-main event. So not they, only they, and also he's cost closer his show money. I'd imagine. Never mind win money. That show money is is nigh on guaranteed, and this moron has pushed you, given you an injury, and then you know. I mean, the way America is, I mean, it's a lawsuit type situation. I don't know how that would look to 100%. fighters. I know that that's a bit like, oh, you're doing that. You know, you should be more manly or whatever it is. But surely this man closer's probably owed like twenty grand show money or something or whatever it might be. And Stephen's actions has, has taken that from him. And not only that, but possibly giving him an injury that, that keeps him out for a little while or something. So there's got to be some sort of punishment or repercussions for that behaviour. Well, Blake, it's a, it's a valid point because Closer isn't like he's a young up-and-comer either. He's been around a bit. So if there is a lawsuit there, that could be a fucking retirement fund. I'm sorry, I keep swearing. I've, I, I, I get fine. excited about fights. I know we're allowed to swear. <laughs> we I feel like I'm being a geezer now. <laughs> going, hey, hell, um, we, we're just four lads and we lads. Yeah, we're just such exactly. lads. Look at us talking about fighting, exactly. us lads. Sorry. But yeah, it's, it's, it's valid. If, if, if you're on, say, 20 grand show money, how many more fights has he got? And genuinely, a lawsuit, if, it, if you're saying he's ended my sporting career or my athletic career, that could be for a whole load of money. Um, so I think that's that's valid, and the UFC on the UFC front, they find Cormier and Jones obviously when they had that scrap back in the day at the weigh-ins or a media appearance or whatever. So there is precedent for it. It's just really weird because it's so after the fact, the, like the it thing. happened. No one reported on it. No one was really excited. Then we found out it's an injury, so it's really hard to go back and go right. You're getting a fine. It's like you didn't find me at the time. You didn't see it as a big deal. Mm. It looked, in fact, it was posted on a load of the socials because it builds the fight and hypes it. So The, you know, the thing the with the UFC, though, is, is sometimes the stuff they do or they've been uh, known to do that isn't such a punishment, but the way that they can treat you because of certain things. Now, yeah. one of the prime examples is Andrei Arlovsky, who was fighting on this card that we're, we're talking about now, but he was the UFC champ. Um, then he signed with Affliction, and on that card, they buried it. They buried the fight, so they put it way down so that he yeah. hardly get any view. And the other stuff they've done with other fighters as well, when they get into when they, when if you're on the bad side with the UFC and they have you by the balls with that contract, sometimes it's not the legal stuff that will cause you problems. It's uh, it's the other bits. But I imagine, and I've I've heard good stuff, especially from um, Brad about how the UFC treat you as 
when something like that would happen, like they, they probably will have paid him his show money, which is, which will be good yeah. to know. They will have looked after him like that. Um, but yeah, it does, does make me think how Stevens is going to be in the eyes of, in the eyes of Dana, in the eyes of the UFC, because they don't need that. They don't need to be dealing with that because that's no. a headache that can unfold and go on for, for ages. Um, I'll also say there's no way Ralph Little would have pulled off that Conor McGregor impression as well, mate. That's <laughs> I just, just want to throw that Thanks in there. Thanks very much, mate. I just want to throw that. Absolutely no way he's named. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Feeling that like that. <laughs> well, is there any more fights on this card that we want to talk about or should we just move on? Because I'm mindful that we're approaching uh, an hour now. We've not even got on to uh, what's coming up. So should we maybe move forwards to uh, to what's happening next weekend. Yes. Yeah. Okay, where do you want to start? Top or bottom? Oh, <laughs> should, I don't know. Should should we, should we build to 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 Masvidal Usman? Should we build to it? Let's do it. Right. So we're going to start with uh Jimmy, with Smith, wasn't it? Smith Anthony Smith versus Jimmy Crute. Uh I mean it's a nice opening fight. I think Jimmy Crew is someone that's potentially quite exciting, but it's is someone where I kind of think to myself that you know Smith's uh, losses lately, like to, to Glover and Rakic, and obviously he lost to Jones a way back. I think Smith somehow gets like a slightly bad rap, and every time Smith fights like a young up and coming fighter, everyone's like, oh well, this is where Smith goes on his losing streak and will probably get cut from the UFC or something. Mm. But actually, I mean, he, he beat Gustafsson. He's beaten Devon Clark recently, which is, you know, it's not the biggest win in the world, but it's a win. And I kind of think there's there's an excitement for Crew, And, you know, I always like to see a new wave coming through. But I think that Smith could be a real spoiler for him. And I think that if, if I had to put money on one of them, I'd, I'd probably lean towards Smith. See, I, I, I struggle sometimes with MMA in general because I'm such a nice guy, guys. Um, and <laughs> like, yeah, We mentioned Olofsky just now, and he's probably my favourite fighter of all time, or one of, but I wince whenever I see him on a card because he's had so many KOs. He's been knocked out so many times over the years, and that stuff doesn't just get erased. You don't get a clean sheet because you got a knockout back. 
So I've been knocked out 20 times, but I've knocked out 12 people, so that makes it only eight. It's, it's, <laughs> that's kind of not how it works. And I think people think that sometimes. And that beating that, that, that Smith took from, um, from Glover is so fresh in my memory still that seeing him in against a young, potentially, you know, brutal opponent... Just it's, it, it makes me go into those fights a little bit like, oh, I don't know if this is going to be something I'm going to enjoy. I don't want to see anything horrible happen here because that was a hell of a beating and it was the kind of beating that we have seen ch- change change fighters, that, that we've seen fighters who were invincible then, then get in a fight like that and seem like a different person for the rest of their career. So, yeah, it's a weird one in that respect. I do think it's two really exciting fighters. So... I want to be hyped for it, but I feel slightly, yeah, uncomfortable. It's, it's nice styles, isn't it? That's that's the thing. Yeah. They've got they've got good styles. But um, I just I just looked. I didn't even realise that uh, Smith as this will be his fifty first fight. Wow, fifty one MMA. That's MMA alone. That doesn't mm-hmm. count. And doesn't that doesn't talk about your training in the gym, the sparring you've had. But you look at the, the 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 levels of fighters that they've gone up against, and there is a thing where you talk about this untangible thing of experience and going in there against like Jones or Ozdemir, or even even learning off the back of a fight like that with Tashira. But those, they, like you said, you, you leave a part of yourself in that cage every single time, and. I think uh, Crute is is dangerous. He's never fought anybody who's got that sort of CV. He's never fought anybody who is, um, yeah, that that has been in there and, and fought for titles like Smith has. But he's hungry. This is this is a guy who lives in a van. He lives in a van outside the gym. He's a UFC fighter and he lives in a van outside the gym. That's how hungry he is. I don't want to waste time catching Madness. a bus. I don't want to get a bus to, to get, I, I can get, I want to get in early. I want to be yeah. the first in there. I want to be the last out. And that's, that's what you're fighting as well. You're fighting this, this, this different level of motivation and somebody who, uh, yeah, who, who doesn't care. For, he's not caring about the, the money or the glamour. And he, he wants the glory. And that's, that's a dangerous type of, uh, type of fight. So, the nice thing they've done with Smith, though, is they've given him quite a lot of the the, the TV stuff now. He's well spoken. He looks good on camera. He's uh, <laughs> as long as he can keep his vocabulary going, it's uh, it's one of those things. But um, yeah, I'd have to say, Crute, this, this is a prime fight for for Crute to you know really establish himself and then step up and take on some of the names that maybe have fought Smith already. Well. We touched on spinning heel kicks and flamboyant kicks. Uh, next on the card, uh, Uriah Hall, Chris Weidman. I mean, Uriah Hall's... What year is this? Sorry, uh... <laughs> 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 just, just checking. What year are we in? <laughs> Which Weidman are we talking about? <laughs> so, I'm, I mean, I'm a little bit excited. For, I, I like watching Uriah Hall fight. Me too. Yeah. Um, Love Uriah Hall. Mm. Uh, thoughts on this one, Brian? I ju- yeah, I think uh, it's it's one of those that we- Weidman's just never been the same. He's never been the same since the the Rockhold fights. Um, won the title, then lost it, and then just couldn't. Re- re- and you could tell, like he's chased it so hard. That that mm-hmm. lost streak as well. Rockhold, Romero, Musasi won against Gastelum, then lost against Souza, Dominic Reyes, and they're all finishes. They're not, they're not like he's, it's one of those close split decisions. He's getting finished. And, and for me, it's one of those things that you, you, once your chin's gone, it's, it's a horrible thing, especially when um, you're a fighter and you, you kind of rely on that toughness, a bit of that durability and that invincibility. 
But I just think Uriah Hall's got that that, that fluid striking, that those kicks that come from nowhere, and just uh, still that one in the um, the, the tough house is one of the nastiest oh. knockouts I've I've ever seen. And he's he's on a three fight win streak, so he's got that confidence as well. And he's chasing, he's fighting somebody who's desperate to prove that he can still be something. And I, I'm just a bit, it's one of those you kind of go, I, I love Weidman, I love love the whole thing about him that the camp he comes from, but I just don't, I don't think he's he's got enough left in his in his chin for fights like this. I think. Pip. Oh, well, you, Sorry, Blake. Go on. Oh, yeah. Well, when I was on before, like we discussed the um, never bet against. Jan Blakovic, because he's yeah. always the underdog and you always expect him to lose and then he wins. I've got the opposite of that with Uriah Hall. There's so many times I've got excited about him and expected <laughs> him to win and then he just gets smashed. So I've, I've got a never back Uriah Hall <laughs> policy Tattoo. now. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of on that. But yeah, I think you're completely right. Uh, Weidman is a, a shadow of himself. I like, I don't think they've told enough of the story because I know that. Weidman gave Hall his first ever defeat, right, in New yeah. York, like when he'd first, like I think it might have been his first fight even, but very early days, and he's wanted it from day one, and Charles Sonnen told the story that when they were in in tough, and Uriah was, like Dana was like, I don't know what I'm going to do with this guy, I'm going to have to give him a title shot against Anderson Silva immediately, and Uriah was saying then, I'm not after Silva, I want Weidman, and Weidman at that point like wasn't a big name, he wasn't the champion, he was like, I want my win back against Weidman because he was the guy I looked up to and he destroyed me and he's it it taught me a lot. So yeah, I guess there's nice personal level there, but it could also mean he does something really horrible to his skull. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I'm a huge Uriah Hall fan. Stylistically, I love the idea of him say fighting Adesanya or or, or, or even like a Darren Till. Or something like that. I think that would be fantastic mm, to watch. Great fight. But he struggles against the top guys. He always has. Yeah. And I know Weidman's not a top guy anymore, but when you break down Weidman's losses, I know he went on that skid, but you're talking he lost to a prime Luke Rockhold. Then he lost to a Romero because of a, a flying knee when he was winning that fight, I think relatively comfortably. Then with Sosa, I think he was winning that fight and he got clipped. You know, these aren't terrible. Reyes was, I mean, who knows whether we'll look at Reyes in years to come as like this amazing guy or a guy that just did really well and then faded out. But regardless, the jump between 185 and 205 is ridiculous. You can't expect Mm. that. We've seen it with Adesanya recently. You can't expect the best 185ers to necessarily compete with 205. The weight difference is too much. So it depends where you are in time, though, because, I mean, we're talking about Smith, the fight before, like when Smith and Tiago Santos, there was a period where all these 185ers were moving up to 205 and getting into title contention because they were fighting at their natural rate rather than having to cut. Yeah, yeah. Then then then, I said, but then you're completely right. Then you have those ones where everyone thinks, oh, that's all I have to do. Do you know what I mean? I'm sure they made a lot of changes and built a muscle, but then you probably have people go, oh, I'll move up then, as Rockhold and Weidman did. After Thiago Santos and and Smith looked so good moving up, they both went, I'll do that because we're quite big. And then their their size just got exposed. I mean, and it did, and and we didn't know how good Jan was going to be, but you looked at Jan versus Rockhold, and I don't remember thinking, oh, this is a mismatch. 
But you look at Reyes versus Weidman and you think, hang on a minute, yeah. Yeah. that's that's yeah. not right, is it? That's like Demetrius Johnson fighting that guy the other week. He's like, how the hell are you two in the same weight class? There's no way. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, but I, I, I just, I, I wonder, is is Weidman just going to hold him down and do what Weidman, was it, is it Akhmedov or he beat most recently? Like, yeah. Weidman's yeah. not got a loss on his record to, like, anyone that wasn't a very, very good top five fighter. Whereas I feel like Uriah Hall does. And I know that I think yeah. Uriah Hall during the pandemic has basically been living in the gym. He's literally, yeah. li- like, not just, oh, the phrase of living in the gym. outside it in a van, yeah. just in it. Not, yeah, yeah, he has. <laughs> yeah. He's yeah, just yeah. been living in the gym. See me, crew. Are we going to get to the next fight and they're living in the octagon? That's right. Under, John Jones under the cage. Yeah. That's where <laughs> But, yeah, you know, I, I mean, I, the, I've heard him speak on, on Helwani a bit recently, uh, um, maybe before or just after the Anderson Silva fight. And he seems like mentally he's admitted to having a few kind of, you know, that imposter syndrome that we talk to, to fighters about all the time, mm. Stu. And he, he seems like he might have got past that now. And I really hope for his sake that he has. And if he has, we might see a Uriah Hall that, that can, you know, pull the trigger a bit more against the top guys. But we've not necessarily seen evidence of it yet. And because of that, I think that Weidman could, could in, unfortunately make Uriah Hall look slightly boring and and just hold him down and yeah i, I hope Another i'm wrong fight. but I, I i i again i i think weidman might pull it off well i mean just looking at the next three fights i mean it's just pure fireworks it it, it really is so 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 let's get on to the first of the uh the the, the title bats uh shevchenko andraj i mean i'm i'm all over this i, I don't know what your thoughts are gents yeah, I think it's great, and I think Andrade can never be overlooked because of her just power, her, her, her sheer power. And we saw it against Rose. That kind of Rose was putting on. Like I still rate Rose's performance in her loss to Andrade as one of the best performances I've seen from a female MMA artist ever. Even though she lost, she looked amazing. But Andrade has got that, and. I can't think of when Shevchenko has faced th- that kind of element. She's faced a lot of other technical people, or, let's be honest, people who are a fair way below her, technically, and all that. So I think it's interesting. I think we, it could be a good test and could mix mix things up a bit, because that division is at risk of becoming a bit, well, here's the champ, and then who's who's got the lottery ticket this week to come and get a loss? So, yeah, I think it's 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 her last exciting challenge for a while potentially mm. at that division I think you're right it's almost he's, Shevchenko's almost Demetrius Johnson in this this division yeah. because the, yeah. because she's that good and it is amazing to watch how there's just the and even following on social media the, the how hard she trains having a sister next to her. we always talk about brothers training together and bringing the best out of each other and and she does exactly the same with her sister. They, they are completely dedicated. Their following in Kyrgyzstan as well is ridiculous. They are mega stars over there. Like they step off the plane, there's huge welcomes, all this. The, the prime minister, the president will phone them after the fights, all this sort of stuff. She is phenomenal. And I just think it's, it is, she, she, she's almost a victim of her own success because it's hard to make 
challenges for her. Like Andrade's got this off one win. She's got this fight, but because she is that dangerous, she's this this little cannon of a human being, and uh, yeah. she's got that power thing. But you jump back, and the only loss on the record for however long is Amanda Nunes to, to Shevchenko. That's upper weight, and she was winning that last round in a split decision. Um, yeah. And that just shows me how technically good she is. So I, I, I think uh, they're going to struggle. I think if Shevchenko cleans this out, fairly handily I think they're going to struggle for anybody else to to even be inside to, to market something like that. that's why she's on a card with other title fights going on because they need it they need same with Demetrius Johnson they always had to stack him with somebody else because she's that good she is yeah. that good I agree yeah I think you know Shevchenko is undefeated against humans she's only been beaten by a goat so uh, there you go. <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I feel underprepared for this podcast. Now. I should have done something. Can, you, can we pause for a minute while I try and get some sort of pun out of the next fight? <laughs> there's, there's a website of just like terrible jokes for MMA that, that me and Stu frequent it regularly. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, look, let's. Um... Let's talk about Thug Rose. And, yes, please. Uh, and <laughs> That's the fight, isn't it? That Rose yeah. and Jack. Yeah. And uh, the, the, in my opinion, the reason that that is the fight is because I think um, both fighters represent like the, the toughest opponent that either one has faced yet. I, I, I think Rose is the toughest person that Zhang's ever faced. I think Zhang's the toughest person that Rose has ever faced. And that's what makes it so intriguing. Um, yeah. I think that uh, what, one interesting thing is I think Rose has had nose surgery recently. She had like a deviated septum, but also Andrade broke her nose in the last fight. That was quite a while ago. She's had a lot of time to recover. But Zhang hits hard. And my, my thing is I think that Rose is the best striker at that weight class. I, I, I think from the fights that she's had with Joanna that she's proven that because she won that, that five round war in the, in the rematch. Um, but Zhang's power. How, I mean, Rose's rematch with Andrade, I think you could see Rose wilting a little bit, pun intended. Oh, that's another one from the website. Oh, for <laughs> sake, mate. Jesus. But no, but she was in that third round. I think Andrade was coming back. And if there was a five round fight there, then I think, you might have seen Andrade, Andrade could have pulled it back. You just don't know. So if, if Rose is the slightly better striker, but she's going to be peppering Zhang the whole time. And Zhang's been in there with Joanna. It was over a year ago now, and that was her last fight. But she's been in that all-out war. But Rose hasn't been in a war with someone that can hit like Zhang with the skill of Zhang. And I'm a huge Rose fan, but I, I, I yeah. worry that Zhang in like that end of the third or into the fourth round after them going toe to toe and maybe Rose winning the first and second round, that fourth round could be where Zhang just puts her down and TKOs her or something like that. I think it's, it's, it's tough to talk about the better striker in this because I feel like it's, it's discipline and power versus footwork and speed. And it's like, like they've got such different styles of striking that, I could completely see either woman coming in and absolutely dominating the other one and it being a complete surprise. I could see either of them coming in and just blowing the other one out of the water and that's what's crazy about it. Normally, you're like, 
if it's going to be a domination, it'll be this person. If it's going to be a close fight, it could be Eva. But it feels like Eva could come out and do it. And I think Rose might... I don't know. She's she's so g- game and seems to l- l- love being in there. But I think where she could find some advantage is in the ground game and submissions and stuff like that. And Rose isn't even one that's about, I need to get the takedown to to get the submission. She might jump on your back or jump on your arm or, 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 th- or throw something creative up or roll for you and things like that. So I think that could be a something that could differentiate it if we started to find that it was too evenly matched on the feet and it was effectively a, a, a coin flip of, of who's going to land and finish it. So, I mean, that could be the interesting element. But equally, Blake, I'm the same. I've got to confess to being just the, the biggest Rose fanboy. So... I, I don't know if I can be unbiased in this. I think I, I hope Rose comes out and does what she does. I think, yeah, she's put on some of my favourite performances, m- male or female, in the octagon. I think when she flows, she flows, and it's it's Max Holloway style flowing. It's yeah. just being in that zone. That first round against Andrade before getting dropped on her head was one of the best things I've yeah. ever seen. Yeah. She yeah, was so good, and it, I mean, I don't know if you want to say it was a fluke. I know she was she was like holding on for the Kimura when she got picked up, and she landed badly, and it was an awful knockout. But that first round was all rose, and it was beautiful to watch. Yeah, on 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 things like that, I always it annoys me when people say it was lucky. I think you can say it was unlucky for Rose. Yes, it wasn't lucky for for Andrade because she was doing what she. Like she was trying to slam her and knock her out. That was her, her aim. It's just incredibly unlikely that that would happen. So yeah, completely agree. That's a weird one. Uh, thing I, only thing I've got to say about this fight is, first of all, as soon as you said it, I had butterflies. Oh, because yeah. we went from Chevchenko and Andrade, we try and build something out of it because they are great fighters. But as soon as you said this, as soon as you go Zhang and Nama Yunus, you're like you got the butterflies. You're wondering what's going to happen. You got the story arose, and then you got Zhang who can transform. Joanny on Jacek's face into the, the, an alien form. Which I said it to my brother. I said, "I said this is the before, and this is." The, and he's like, "What happened?" He had to see the fight. He doesn't watch much MMA. Um, that just shows how, how dangerous she is. That as well against another top top fighter. So yeah. it's brilliant. Rose, you can't help but love her because it is. There's such a story. There's she's she's perfect. That there was that moment when the UFC tried to make it all about her being pretty, where they scanned across, and I think it was. Um, uh, Holly Holm there's another very pretty UFC fighter and then there's Nama Yunus and it goes across and Holly Holm does a little flick of the hair the next one does the flick and Nama Yunus just stares dead down the yeah. camera I ain't playing this game <laughs> I ain't here, I'm not here just to fluff the blooming the, the card or whatever well, it, 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 it plays into the, the reason she shaved her head because when yeah. uh, she was matched up with Paige Van Sant and Paige um, was going to shave her head for charity and raised a certain amount but because Paige was one of the was in the Reebok contract as one of the the, the sponsored fighters, one of the faces of it. They said that she couldn't, so, so they would instead match the donation. Blah blah blah. And Rose just turned up the next day with a shaved head. She <laughs> said, "I'm a fighter. I'm not a model." Um, you know, uh, uh, she didn't raise any money. She didn't do anything. She was just like, "I'm a fighter. It's not important. I'm, I'm my focus is doing is being an athlete and and doing what I do." And it's like, God, you're 
you're wonderful. Perfect. <laughs> and what, what a beautiful thing is it, Pip, your two, two favourite fighters, how different can they be? Arlovsky, the Belarusian nightmare. <laughs> yeah. I love it. What a sport. Genuinely, my other two favourites are Robbie Lawler and Damian Meyer. So again, <laughs> polar opposites of the legends kind of time. I love it. Stu, I'd love to say something more on this before we move on, but do you have anything you want to say about this? Because I I know you're excited about this fight as well. Um, When you watch uh, Zhang, the the clips that she puts on on her social media, like her pad work, the the power's ridiculous. And I know it's hitting pads, but still it still is a a, a good indication of just how hard someone hits. (laughs) Um, and we know that she's she's not a fighter that goes backwards. You know, you know that she'll take one to get one as well. It's like to give one, sorry. Um, I, I just think I want Fug Rose to win, like because I just think she's brilliant. Yeah. You know, and I, and I think she's such a. It's a little bit like the kind of the Ben Watson thing. You know, you've got a, a solid brawler that just throws huge bombs, and then you've just got like a real craftsman. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I think. Yeah, I, I just think that it, the, the the power could be a little bit too much for, for Rose. And, and I hope that's not the case um, because I want Rose to win. But I do think that that power is uh, is pretty devastating. If you look at, obviously, Joanna's head, yeah. there's an indication <laughs> yeah. of just uh, a <laughs> how devastating that power is. Yeah, I was going to say, you said pad work it is an indication of power. Also, <laughs> Joanna's head. Yeah. <laughs> Two indications exactly of power. That. Two solid indications. <laughs> so, I mean, before, before we move on, I wanted to just say, I think what a wonderful thing it is about our sport that four effectively middle-aged white men are hearing about two female athletes in the sport that they love. And they are probably more excited about that fight than any of the male fights on the card. You don't get yeah. that with football. You don't get that with cricket. You don't get it really with boxing either. It's a wonderful thing with our sport, the kind of the gender equality that we spoke to Molly McCann about uh, is really there in our sport more so than any other, I think. And I think that's a wonderful thing to, to point out. Also, what I wanted to say was, is it an accident that Zhang Weili... And uh, Valentina Shevchenko are fighting on the same card because if they both win, that's quite the super fight, isn't it? You're matchmaking today, mate. Mick Maynard, give me a call, I'm going to go to sleep dreaming about some of these fights you've said. Oh, my goodness, mate. That's, yeah, we're just saying, what's next for Shevchenko? Should she do that? And then boom, boom, but... We have to see what Rose can do first, don't we, boys? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, it feels like we've kind of got overexcited about the, uh, the, the, and we've not even got to the top fight yet. So we should obviously now uh, move on to uh, the fight that's top in the bill. Um, Usman Masvidal. Who wants to kick off with this one? I mean, my initial thought is just Masvidal has got to be in the gym training his 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 weigh-in push technique. Because <laughs> that's, I think that's his best chance, isn't it? <laughs> Just get it out of the way early, <laughs> get the whiplash, fight called off, lovely, call it a day. Just see Masvidal on pads with Mike Brown, just push me. <laughs> <laughs> Stevens in the background cornering. <laughs> okay, more at the, the shoulders, hips. more at the shoulders. From the hips, come on. Work, work. How do you counter a foot stomp? 
That's the question, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. What can you have learned to count that? It's, but I mean, yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I, I, I think, this, unlike a lot of people, I think this was the right fight to make because I think otherwise we're going to, as we were saying with Shevchenko, we're just throwing people up and no one really thinks they're going to win. I need Leon to go and show us something to make us think there's a chance. And I need other fighters to go and show us something, as Whitaker did last night, to go and show us I need to be in... Not only do I deserve that title shot, I could win it. And that's not the case in that division at the moment. There's loads of really good fighters, but there's no one that I'm looking at and going, I reckon they could could take it off Usman. I'm looking and going, I think they deserve a title shot. And Leon, undeniable, he deserves it. But there's not been anything recently to show that. And the Masvidal rematch just feels like... There's a story, there's history. You can, As Masvidal has done, I accepted the last fight on late notice. And even, as Brian was saying about a UFC treating people right when they've been treated right, Masvidal did step in and save the day on that card. Maybe there is a little bit of a, well, you deserve your proper, fully promoted one now, and or your full training camp one. So, And, and also, Brian used the term box office, you yeah. know, to, to kind of, give you that kind of indication that they're, they're a more marketable fighter. They're going to sell more tickets. Yeah. And I think as much as we're all, I imagine, hugely on Edwards fans and, and want to see see him get his shot, Masvidal, he gets, he, you know, he gets the column inches. He's, he's you know, he's, he's a hype machine. And people, you know, the, the whole thing with, you know, baddest motherfucker and all of that, it's like, it's exciting, isn't it? And I think there's all, I mean, in the last fight, I mean, if you're still trading off the, you know, I stepped up last minute. For me, that I don't think that's enough to give him another shot. I think there's other fighters that that that, that could have had that. Leon Edwards being one of them, but I do think it's it comes down to the fact that Masvidal is box office. Yeah, I think I think Kamara Usman recognised that as well because he's he's the one that said after his last fight when he beat Gilbert Burns, he said there's one guy that needs I need to shut his mouth, and so because of that, that's why Masvidal's got this. Uh, this shot, I just find it so hard skills-wise to see Masvidal. I know he hits hard. I know he's... Uh, they talk about him in um, American Top Team. Mike Brown says he is the most underrated fighter, with, as in all-round fighter. His jiu-jitsu is great. You saw that against Damian Meyer. When you fought Damian Meyer, Damian Meyer said his jiu-jitsu was better than anyone else's I've fought in the UFC. That, that says a lot. But Usman's just a beast. He is just... A monster, and there's no way Masvidal is coming out with a flying knee and catching no. Usman. There's none of that happening. He can flick his hair, do whatever he wants. I just think, um, I think Usman is. Uh, he recognised that he's. He, this is the one that he'll get a good bit of pay for. This is one that he'll get some more box office on. And uh, uh, but I just can't see Masvidal having enough enough I for him. I think he's clever because I think he also knows the eventual Leon fight will get more box office if people see it as this big injustice and it's been yeah. waiting. Conor McGregor's debut was huge in the UFC was huge because people had been shouting about him being signed for so long. It's, it, and, and, and Paddy Pimlet is going to have the same mm. as, as one where there's been so many people w- 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 waiting for it for so long, you come in at a certain level. And it feels like it's great work from Usman there to say even if it is building up in the fans' head a narrative of he's dodging a Leon or anything like that, anything to make it more marketable. If if you've got a fighter who, despite being amazing and seeming like a, a, a top guy, doesn't seem to have clicked in the marketability area. I think the 
the massively scary thing about Usman is since becoming champion, he's got better. He yeah. like training with Trevor Whitman, sparring with Justin Gaethje. His striking to me looks like it's come on leaps and bounds. I, I, I was slightly surprised. Maybe I I underrated maybe what happened in the gym between Burns and Usman. I was surprised that Usman didn't back his own wrestling against Burns's jiu-jitsu. Maybe that was naive of me. But for him to, to lay him down with that power jab like he did, and I think he caught him with a big right hand as well. I, I mean, don't get me wrong. Usman's not going to... His number one game plan is not going to be striking with Masvidal. But when you throw in the fact that Masvidal will be wary of being clinched up against the fronts and, 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 and grounded out, and he will be wary of being taken down, Usman's striking has come on maybe even since the Masvidal first fight. And I think Masvidal is going to be fighting a whole nother level of, of, of striker in Usman this time around. And he's still mm. got to worry about the elite level wrestling. And then, but, but Usman, I think we'll have the same ish Masvidal. We'll have better conditioning. And I think he might lay a couple of traps. I mean, we know Masvidal is someone that seems to lay traps pretty well. And, you know, the Askren one, you know, we, as you alluded to, Brian, he was training that. That wasn't a fluke. He was training that knee. Yeah. And I wonder if he's got some little tricks for up against the fence or some little tricks for if Usman's, like, shooting at a certain um, a place and time. But I think he'll have a couple of things up his sleeve. But Usman is another level of, of fighter. I, I, just, I just don't see anyone in the welterweight division beating him. Did the- did any of you guys watch Usman in, in the Ultimate Fighter in this in the yes. series? Was that was the in? Black Zillions ATT one? The one? The gyms, yes, I did watch that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And yeah. it was amazing because it ended up being one team against Usman. Because any time they got to pick who they went against, it was Usman. <clears> and then a few times, fighters got injured out and they said, oh, you can replace them with someone like... Usman and, and Usman just basically beat everyone in the Ultimate Fighter house and then won the Ultimate Fighter. It was just, it was like, it was unfair. It was like, just put us against someone else. Why do we keep having to fight that guy? How, how many Usmans are there? What's yeah. going on? It just seems so funny that any time there was an option or someone had to be had to be replaced, it was like, our guy, we're yeah. going to win this. Yeah. It's like, man. But yeah, he's continued to do that since he came out. Right? He's just gone in there and been like, all right. He, he, he had that period of being a bit of a anti-hero like when he talked to it was Usman that talked about saying like I was going at 70% in there or something yes. like that like when he'd got quite a boring win yes. and the fans were like well why were you going at 70% in there dude go, go at 100% please but then <laughs> yeah. everyone was, else is giving 110 yeah. <laughs> it seemed as Blake said as soon as he got the belt he went alright now I'll go 100% yeah. now I've got gold on my trunks or whatever I'll, I'll turn that up and he's just been <laughs> Hundred percent. Wait, you're going to put rubies in this belt for every single win I get, are you? This big. Let's go. All right, I'll try a bit harder. He's got a love-hate relationship with the fans as well, doesn't he? Because I mean, you think about it, the the Woodley fight was dull. It was really dull. And then the Colby fight was amazing. And then the Masvidal fight was dull. And everyone hated him, and they were calling him like the king of foot stomps. Yeah. But then the Gilbert Burns fight was was fantastic. Amazing, yeah. So yeah. I don't know whether he's in any way going to be swayed by. I don't think he will be. I think he's someone that's just he just he's just going to win. He's going to cash his checks, and I think there is. It's too early right now to do it, but I think in a few more title defenses time we're going to start going. So who's the best welterweight, uh, GSP or Kamara Usman? 
in terms of title defences, yeah. the guys that they beat. And that that leads me on to, to, to something else. Let, uh, let, me, let me say this. Donald Cerrone, Darren Till, Ben Askren, Nathan Diaz, Michael Chiesa back in 2013, Tim Means in 2013, James Krause in 2014. Are any of those fighters <laughs> elite-level fighters? Do you want me to reel off yeah, the names I'd again? Say so. Would you? I would say so. Yeah, I think, uh, again, I think it's tough because people like Kraus and Kiesa were ones that had loads of hype at the time and have, have maybe dropped off a bit as time time went on. Yeah, it's it's a weird one. I, I feel a lot of them at the time, I probably would have okay. said they're, they're top level, but maybe not. And to give The reason I bring that so up right, is because go on, go on. they are what I consider to be Masvidal's biggest wins if that wasn't clear and yeah, yeah Usman yeah. I think when you throw in like the Colby Covingtons of the world the the Leon Edwards win has aged incredibly well Tyron Woodley I know is not what he was but Usman's the one that did that to him before Usman yeah. Tyron Woodley is the guy that did the blueprint for Wonderboy Thompson for Damian Meyer he starched a Robbie Lawler that was you oh. know the, the the greatest fighter at the time or the one with the, the best fights and, and he smoked, smoked Darren Till as well and Usman turned him into the guy we now know as Tyron Woodley so mm. he has beat the elite level guys I was wondering if we considered Masvidal as someone that has elite level wins that, yeah, no, I think you're right. I don't. Yeah, I don't think he's 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 got that quite. Mm. Oh, what do you think on that, Brian? I, I just gonna, I was just going to say that there was because obviously he's always been like a fat one of those fan favourites. So when you talk yeah. about your Nate Diaz's and your, your Cowboy Cerrone's, he's one of those that you know you're going to have a fun scrap. You know there might be something at the weigh-ins. You know you know you're gonna, you, you, it's going to be a fight. He always makes it a fight. Something changed with him though just before that Darren Till. Um, the Darren Till fight. And you look at his performances, the ones against Till, Askren and Diaz, he's looked like things have come together. And then he did that interview. I don't know if it, if it was on Joe Rogan, but he was talking about, it was on Joe Rogan. He was talking about where he went out to do this game show where they took everything away from him. And he was going through yeah. all this stuff. And there is a thing with fighters. And, and we, we've, we maybe have just seen it happen with Whitaker when, when stuff's going on outside the cage and there's stresses and there's pressures, you, you, you're not free and you're, you're more worried about that paycheck. You're more worried about the, the, the eyes on you. You're more, uh, there was something different when he came back from whatever that game show was down in Argentina or whatever jungle yeah. they put him in. And his performances have shown that. I think he's been, and I think fans have recognised it as well. He was always one of those that was fun to watch and he, 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 he yeah, he taught the talk. But then he put it together. The Darren Till one straight away. That 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 was an amazing performance. The way he finished him, Askren was just nuts. And then the the BMF title against it, he was leagues above Diaz in yeah. that fight. And I think so. When we when we're picking times, even when you say Kiesa twenty thirteen, or there is points where things happen, maybe even outside the cage where things come together that that means you're a freer fighter. And I think Masvidal is an absolute example of that. Um, but he's against Usman, so we'll, we will see what 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 it comes. That that's that's the thing. But I, th- I think you're right. Maybe none of those will be classed as elite, but there's something about him that is is very special. And those last three wins in particular may, maybe have excited us a little bit more than they should. But I, I, I'm a fan. I'm a big fan. Stu, what do you think? Are you uh, what are you thinking for the fight in general? Uh, I think uh, I, I don't think Masvidal uh, uh, has, has got has got the win in him. I, I think Usman's just too elite at the moment. I, I think he's just 
you know, we've said that with so many fights with the champs at the moment that it just feels like in so many different divisions, the champs are just mm. too good. And, you know, who's... I mean, there's... I, I don't know. A, a rematch with Covington, I'd be interested in. Um, but, but yeah, I do think, aside from that, I just think Usman's just a different level at the moment. And I think if he's, you know, on his last performances, then, yeah, I think he's going to take a very spectacular bit of flamboyant... Uh, Masvidal magic to to pull something out the bag. Um, otherwise, I think he could. Uh, yeah, I just don't see any. I just don't see anyone in that division at the moment. Maybe Covington, as mentioned, like being able to kind of rob him of it because I think he's just too good. All right. Well, there you go. Is it? Are there any other talking points for two sixty one or? Has anyone got anything they want to get off their chest? You know, it's, it's a free space, guys. You know, are we all happy within this ourselves. This is the bit I was waiting yeah. for, actually. This is the bit I was waiting for. I didn't realise we are going to talk about fighting for this long. Uh, I will say, though, I did notice, I know we talked about women's MMA. When I, when I pulled my hair back, you see those scratches there? I've been teaching my um, my daughter some jujitsu, and she was trying to get a rear naked choke on me, so she literally just scratched. <laughs> so, Amazing. Yeah. So this was today, and she went, "Sorry, daddy, but I couldn't get under the chin." <laughs> I was like, <laughs> oh, "I've I've it. taught my daughter a couple of moves as well. Her rear naked choke is unbelievable. She's got these skinny little arms that just slide straight in and just on your Adam's apple." <laughs> but the other day, I went for for a, a run with her, uh, and. Uh, we were just running and she got a bit tired. So she, I was like, oh, go on, I'll give you a piggyback the rest of the way type thing. And rather than just it being a piggyback, she went straight into a rear naked choke. And I was like, no, ultimately, just, just a piggyback, but just a piggyback. And she was like, oh, sorry, daddy. I'm like, Jesus Christ, my seven-year-old's nearly choking me out on the street. Hey, listen, you- mine's, mine's seven as well, so maybe we need some matchmaking. Oh. In there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the, as of the undercard of you and Ralph Little, that's <laughs> I was going to say, you've... You've retoried yourself a bit with Ralph Little there. You've told him exactly what you don't like. It's, 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 it's the bony arms on the rear naked choke. Oh, brilliant. Take out Little, then call up Jake Paul, man. Get involved. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Gents, I think like we've probably come to the end of uh, this episode. So, like, honestly, really appreciate both of you jumping on the chat fights today it's been really lovely um having you as guests and uh and yeah i think we're done right blake i think we're done mate thanks very much guys this has been great 